Hi everyone, I'm Mark Cooper from Bivar RE and welcome to this latest episode in our Rethink Energy podcast series. I'm really pleased to be joined today by Virgil Kazaku, Head of Digital Transformation here at Bivar RE and Etienne Lecomte, CEO of Asset Intelligent Management Software Provider PowerHub. Digitalization is transforming just about every aspect of the renewable transition while at the same time helping to propel it forward. Today, we'll be talking about asset management, utilization of big data, the Internet of Things, AI, and numerous other transformational benefits. We'll also look at cybersecurity and managing some of the risks digitalization creates. I hope you enjoy this episode. Please check out other podcasts and content at rethink-energy.com and follow us on social media to join the debate. Um, Etienne Virgil, welcome. Welcome. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for joining us today. Um, you know, we, we, we dive straight in. Uh, as I mentioned in the intro, um, digitalization is transforming just about every aspect of the renewable energy transition and helping to speed it up. Um, and it's come a, a you know, comparatively long way in a short amount of time. I mean, you know, if, if it's possible from each of your perspectives to bring together some of the key benefits that you see from this digitalization transformation process, you know, and how we've seen that evolve, say, over the last kind of two to five years. Um, Etienne, did, did you want to start? Yeah, yes, and I think it's great. And when you're considering renewable energy, we're effectively transforming weather into power. Uh, and that's amazing in itself. But as an industry, we haven't focused so much on the digitalization frontier on our side. So what, what I really observed over the last five years is that digital topics are now prevalent in firm strategies as they try to say how they're going to add value and where they're going to play. Now it's not uncommon for large uh, renewable energy developers or owners to have heads of, uh, of digital or digital strategy roles, whereas two to five years ago, these, these things weren't existing, really. So I think it, it, we're, we've moved from an era of, let's just capture data, which is what has been happening over the five, day, five last years or so, to let's use that data. And I think that's the really important shift that we're seeing right now in the marketplace is great, we have information, we have data, how do we put it together and how do we use it? And I think that's really the main shift that I'm seeing from the renewable standpoint. Yeah, and this is a trend we've seen, you know, in multiple different sectors, the kind of, you know, utilization of big data, um, and I guess symptomatic of you know, the renewable sector, which is, you know, comparatively young, it's, you know, had some catching up to do, you know, do, do you think it's it's kind of been behind the curve in that respect, or is, or is now catching up um, compared to other sectors? That's a very good question. I, I think there's still some building blocks that we're lacking uh, regarding uh, especially standardization for it to kind of really blossom. Uh, I think on the wind side, we're more advanced on the solar side as an example, uh, but I think we are catching up. I think there's a great tailwind pushing us forward. And, and Virgil, from your perspective, I mean, as head of digital transformation, you've got a, a perspective across a lot of different aspects of digitalization and, and how it's helping to drive forward the, the transition. I mean, what, what from your perspective have kind of been those kind of big key changes over recent years? Indeed, what the digitalization is going to um, 
help us or is already helping us is to uh, move from this uh, kind of uh, reactive approach into a more proactive approach of how we are managing the uh, uh, renewable assets, how we are consuming the energy. So instead of uh, you know waiting months to figure out what happened in that month, uh, which is already passed, uh, actually uh, is going to or is already helping us to look uh, forward into the next month or even to the next year and figure out you know when a specific asset is going to or how a specific asset is going to perform if any uh, parts of the assets are going to break or you know how much energy is going to to be forecasted to be consumed and i think this context of data so uh, of course, we are collecting a lot of data, but uh, putting into a context that uh, brings us that intelligent and smart data that uh, we need to perform uh, the, the assets in the uh, coming uh, years. So I guess, you know, again, as we see in other areas, the world is becoming more connected and so is everything in it. And renewable energy assets are no exception. There's now a lot of, you know, a lot of data as they're being connected, being generated. But from what you've both been saying, and Etienne, maybe you want to come back on this, you know, we, we now have a huge amounts of data. The, the challenge is now then kind of making sense of it all and then deriving positive outcomes from that, utilizing that data. And that, is that really what Power Hub is, is all about, is that utilization of, of that data that's out there? Well, well the, the first step before utilization of data is acquisition of data and centralization mm -hmm. of data. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I think that as an industry, you have a number of challenges, uh, and one of which is stems from the data acquisition front itself. How you interface with such a large number of multiple types of external systems for our clients uh, becomes a challenge in itself. And then it's about the processing and normalization of that data. Uh, because if you just acquire data and it's in an unstandard format, it's very hard to garner any insights from it. Obviously, after that, you, you, you need to store it and process it, which is also important. And then comes the interesting things that you can start doing, data analysis, reporting, presentation, as far as benchmarking. And, and, and on, the, on the top of that is really where the intelligence forecasting powered really from, from an AI and machine learning uh, is there. But that comes at the tail end. And we see a lot of people wanting to jump already uh, there, but it really starts with the, the data acquisition and normalization at, at the essence. And here at PowerHub, what we focus on for now is really the aggregation of that information in one place. So you can have financial data and performance data in one place. And it's really at the intersection that you can create a lot of value. And, and who's benefiting from this ultimately, you know, collecting all of this data, making it visible? Where are the big benefits? A key benefit that, that we, I think Virgil was alluding to is timing. It's moving from a reactive to a proactive model. And I think that benefits everybody from service providers to asset owners. And, and a key aspect here is, is if as, a, as an industry, we're maturing on the data side, uh, we can move towards more tr being more transparent with one another and sharing more information. And that's going to help level up uh, the industry as a whole. So I think that that in itself, the data can make us greater than, than we are individually uh, if we share information, if we learn from one another. So I think that's that's an, a key thing that we're seeing as well. And Virgil, kind of taking a, a, a global perspective, you know, are we, are we seeing this trend kind of moving forward 
everywhere or are there some parts of the world perhaps that are kind of progressing quicker than others? Yes, indeed. Renewable uh, energy industry is quite young and there, there is now actually a full uh, life cycle completed for, for the assets which, which are out there. I mean, uh, we have assets which maybe they are 20, 20 years old and a bit. Um, so they, now uh, we have also a lot of discussions about uh, repowering and revamping of, of the existing power plants. But uh, yes, let's say the market is quite fragmented and in the same time complex in different uh, countries and continents. So of course we see uh, maybe a more advanced market uh, in the US and in the UK. Uh, Europe is catching up strongly now in terms of not just technology, but also from, uh, uh, let's say, financial models and schemes of such uh, assets, which, of course, into uh, services are bringing additional uh, opportunities and sometimes challenges to keep up with the operation of uh, such uh, parts where yeah, uh, different financial schemes are applied. And it's, yeah, and we've kind of, with Powerhub, which I guess is a comparatively young business that has, that has also, you know, grown as this, um, you know, as this digitalization trend has grown within the renewable um, sector. Where, where did you guys start and, and, and how have you seen kind of the, the need and scope and potential of the service that you offer evolve over the last few years? That's a very good question, Mark, because when we started off, we were basically a, a fancy filing cabinet. Uh, where no, where you 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 file and you store information uh, for future retrieval, and and that has evolved through automation, through reporting, and so on. Because ultimately, the key challenges you need to solve is the integration of data from multiple internal and external sources, and then the operational and the automation that you need to layer on top. Ultimately, what we're seeing more and more need for is no one wants to do the the menial task of generating 500 invoices a month. That has very little value for someone to process, even if it takes a minute each. It doesn't add much value per se. So there's a lot of heavy lifting that systems such as PowerHub can help uh, businesses do. And that's what we're seeing right now. Right now we're pushing a lot on the automation front and the transparency front. So that means uh, reporting and from different areas in one place. And really the next frontier is leveraging, I'm going to say, data and analytics to mesh information together to provide more context to users. So rather than say, okay, why is something down? It says, okay, what action should I take? And it's really, that's where we're moving to that proactivity to action base rather than simply, okay, well, I have information in one place. Because ultimately people want to grow and they want to grow fast. That's what we're seeing in the market at large. So providing that better integrated view of the business and performance on a variety of levers, that, that's really a, a key value proposition that we're driving forward. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I mean, and again, I'm far from an expert here, but this sounds like effectively the kind of software, the systems are getting smarter. The more data you feed it, the better it gets, the more it learns. And then you start to get more strategic, predictive recommendation. Or is it kind of like a sort of machine learning exercise? Well, that's what we're, we're seeing um, moving towards uh, in that. And uh, I think Virgil and the team at Biva have already done some work on certain key parameters there. Uh, but that's really where it's going. So for us, uh, it's also about meshing information together. So on, on the machine learning side, uh, we're looking to diagnose things and, and basically uh, show uh, evidence that this is where you should focus. 
whereas sometimes the the actions required maybe don't make sense on a financial basis because of market data. So that's also the, the type of intelligence that we, we're bringing forward is really contextual. It's about putting different sources of information together to come up with a better conclusion or a better action plan. Virgil, did you want to you know, add in on that as well? It sounds like a topic you're pretty close to. For us, the way how we, we look to the data is not just, uh, you know, to a couple of signals, which then, uh, you know, either we display them or we put them into a report because we are always looking to, to bring context to the data. So if you can imagine, it's like the handbrake indicator light, right? It really depends uh, on your car. It really depends on, on the context. So if you are, you know, the car is steady, and you're in a parking lot, that totally makes sense. Uh, but if you're running, uh, you know, you're driving the car and the handbrake uh, indicator is on, then uh, uh, it's a different context, right? But uh, it's the same signal. So that's why uh, we are looking to, to collect data from different sources, either technical uh, or financial or both, and bring them into the same context and uh, normalization in such a way then when we get uh, the uh, insights uh, on that specific case, then uh, we have uh, more or less a 360 overview of the context of that uh, specific data points and then uh, would make sense any decisions which are taken based on that context. And we talked about some of the areas then that this is this is helping to kind of um, drive efficiencies in. You know, we talked about kind of um, operations and kind of day-to-day um, -day maintenance. You know, I'm assuming it also kind of helps with managing the kind of generation process and, and, and feeding into the grids. Can you give us like an overview of kind of all, all some of the key areas that this kind of visibility of data then is, is, is helping to support and make more efficient? Yes, of course. Of course, when you look to the data, uh, you have to look to the whole value chain yeah, of the um, uh, energy. And um, of course, we start with the assets which are producing uh, the energy, but then it goes up to, uh, it's like a cycle, it goes up to the, the technicians which are going on site and uh, are you know fixing or improving um, uh, the yield of, of that um, specific asset. And of course, based on the data, yeah, when we see, for example, in the solar space that uh, specific say, inverters are producing uh, less than is expected, uh, again, it's important to get a context uh, why is uh, happening that, and then based on on that information, together with maybe the market price and the weather, then technician is dispatched on site at the best time when the customer. Uh, would not need uh, that energy produced by that plant, and then we, we go and fix that. So um, again, the data itself, just in isolated silos, uh, is not uh, good, or it just brings uh, just a tiny insight into the whole uh, process. And that's why we have to look to the end-to-end -end process and mix up the activities that are needed to provide that, that efficiency that we are looking for. Right, so the kind of key benefits are uh, putting together lots of information that may have otherwise pre-digitally or, or even digitally just sat in separate kind of silos. But now what we're able to do is kind of bring that together in one place. Exactly. And that one place doesn't always mean that it's just one tool where we try to fit and stick all the data that we, we get. It's a chain of uh, maybe tools which uh, we uh, merge them together 
and uh, merge them also based on the customer needs because uh, also not all the customers are equal or they have the same uh, interest into how that plant uh, is running. And then based on this, you give out the best services which fit to that customer based on this uh, composition of data and digital tools that you put in place. And, and trying to picture this, if, if I'm a owner of a kind of fleet of solar plants and, and wind plants, how, how am I seeing this? I'm, I'm in kind of typical digital social media world that we live in. I mean, I'm picturing kind of dashboards and all that kind of thing. Is, is that accurate? Is that what I'm is that what I'm seeing? Do I get a little dashboard that I'm looking at on my on my uh, mobile phone, or am I oversimplifying that? Of course, depending on the customer type but uh, yes ultimately you can uh, you picture like like a dashboard where actually you can see let's say the the journey of uh, the energy yeah, from the, the weather to the plant uh, the plant producing the energy you see uh, all the kpis that you have uh, in place for the specific assets and then of course you can also picture the status of the, the maintenance plans which are scheduled or were scheduled and any issues were discovered and ultimately, you can even track the uh, inventory, uh, which uh, usually are specific to such assets. And then uh, you can even uh, plan, uh, you know, automatic replenishing of the inventory to be prepared for the next intervention on site. So basically, that's that's also what we are working towards. You have, um, as you said, the one dashboard where you can see end to end what is happening uh, with specific assets. And, and Etienne, around kind of scalability here, are there any limits? You know, it, it works with one, it works with a hundred different plants, and I'm guessing kind of anywhere in the world and location, is that an issue? Or On the scalability front, there's obviously complexity on how you display treat information at, at scale and its volume, and I think that that's a great uh, challenge at, at Biva with thousands of projects online. Uh, that we're facing. But also, uh, it's funny that you talk about uh, geographic scale. It's the, the quality of data, or the, the quality of, of, of modems or of signals vary by market and, and fragmented. So where do you get your data, what point and what quality at what intervals and so on becomes challenging depending on the market. So as Virgil was mentioning earlier, the US, the UK, very sophisticated markets. Uh, if I go uh, to places in the Middle East, Africa, some places in Asia, just the reliability of certain signals becomes a, a challenge. So mm. the time, the timeliness of the information is the only thing that changes. So instead of having 15 minute data, you may have daily data. So the, the dashboards, the KPIs and so on themselves on this really change the frequency of their updates that change and the timeliness of that information that can evolve as well. And that's just depending once again on the users, they're, they're, usually quite accustomed to differences in those respects. So you just have to kind of uh, take that in mind. Right. Um, and we, you know, we, we touch on some sort of wider issues around digitalization in a minute, but just staying with um, the kind of the asset management um, and the data side. And we talked a little bit earlier about kind of where that's going and systems becoming more and more sophisticated. I mean, if, if we kind of project forward another kind of four or five years in terms of where you see then um, the kind of general markets level of understanding about what can be achieved and also then advances kind of through tools like Power Hub and what they're able to do. How are you seeing that? How are you seeing kind of what's around the corner? I think we're, we're just at an inflection point on how we use data. So I think what we're going to see in the next one to two years is as an industry, we're going to take a giant leap forward 
into how data, a data is treated, uh, normalized process and how intelligence is generated. Uh, so ultimately right now, there's a lot of operations that are, uh, are, are done on a reactive basis uh, or with heavy human resources behind them. So I think we can imagine a future where, where, where the projects themselves or the plants themselves uh, interface with the grid and are automatically dispatched, which we're seeing already, but also automatically bid and manage that, that thing and, and the reconciliation process there. And what, what you can imagine a plant calling for maintenance <laughs> rather <laughs> than, no, but that's the type of, of signals where you will also push a lot of intelligence to the edge. Uh, so really on-site diagnostics happening in, in real time. And that's where we're going to see more and more intelligence at a local device level, but also all the way up to the chain. Because as Virgil was mentioning, th these plants have 20, 25, 30, 40 year years of lifespan in them. So also we have to, to manage very different fleets or age of fleets and so on. So I think we'll see a lot of retrofits or repowering of sites which are going to enable them to be become more competitive, generate better, uh, and also be more integrated into the grid. Um, so yeah, so what, what, what we're talking about here is then more and more connectivity and more and more stages of the generation life cycle, more and more parts of that are talking to each other, the renewable energy, you know, internet of things. Is, is that what we're seeing, Virgil, more and more? Yes, indeed, that's what is happening. And uh, renewable industry actually has uh, already quite, quite some experience in this industrial uh, IoT space because uh, we were uh, already for a couple of years, uh, we were aggregating data from all these assets and starting to interconnect the value chain, this kind of assets and from energy companies to developers and O&M service providers would would start to or would be enabled to work together to you know develop uh, new smart grids and build uh, the you know energy sources uh, from production up to services and to enable you know even local businesses and communities to gain the advantage of this uh, renewable um, technologies through interconnected uh, assets and if you really look to the end to end part of uh, of the energy after uh, from from producing the energy up to the uh, you know consumers or prosumers because uh, you know even uh, consumers can produce now energy and putting back into uh, the grids the iot is playing major role or even a critical role because in this way you can have the data to monitor the assets from production up to the invoice, which goes, uh, you know, either to consumer or back to the uh, utilities uh, companies. So in, in a kind of, you know, in this fully connected world, and we talk about in some places, the wind might not be blowing, or in some places, the sun isn't shining. But if we have a fully connected digital energy landscape, not just the kind of big generators, but also Households who have solar on their roofs, essentially those kind of old challenges become irrelevant then because somebody somewhere is always generating power and everything is kind of feeding in and going to where it's needed. Or am I oversimplifying that? 
No, no, that's uh, actually towards what we are heading to, because uh, having the intelligence uh, not just on the uh, producing side, but also to the consumption side, yeah, and understanding the demand uh, which uh, might come from there, then we can also leverage through the, the grid and also to uh, also renewable assets. Uh, so, you know, additional technologies like, uh, like storage and, uh, you know, there are a couple of solutions already in place which can already balance this uh, energy uh, consumption and, uh, and uh, production. And all this can be done only if uh, really all the dots part of the value chain are interconnected and as much as possible automated, where of course the human intervention would be necessary only for you know specific maintenance or specific critical situations. But really, IoT can really allow us to automate the value chain uh, in a fashion which wasn't possible a couple of years ago. And for sure, uh, what also Etienne was mentioning, this edge computing and uh, moving towards the edge of the of the networks, uh, the, the computational side would uh, give even more flexibility and freedom to uh, interconnect and make use of data along the, the process. And, and the potential, you know, well, already the potential that's been unlocked seems pretty incredible and the potential that's around the corner even more so. In terms of the pace that's happening, you know, the, the, the climate crisis is, is now and, and the UN and numerous other climate experts, you know, talk about the importance really of the next 10 years if we're really going to stand any chance of keeping global temperature rises at or below the kind of 1.5 threshold after which you know we we start to experience catastrophic climate change in terms of the pace on the digitalization side is that happening fast enough um, you know big question and and in terms of its kind of um, contribution to helping to avert the climate crisis and the role it can play over the next 10 years you know is, is, is the speed sufficient do you think we're moving quickly enough or have we got some catching up to do so, um, of course, you are asking our digital uh, guys. So, um, <laughs> I, I would just say, uh, of course, the speed is not uh, yet at the right level because uh, also digitalization brings challenges which needs to be tackled for ev every player which is involved into this market, but not all in this market. And that's actually some good news that we see is that also our customers. Uh, are really acting proactively in uh, making sure that they get the renewable energy uh, in place uh, up to, I don't know, 2025, uh, most of them. So we really see a shift uh, into the sustainability of, of these companies. But in terms of digitalization, of course, it's taking time to grasp uh, also the uh, advantages of interconnecting all these systems. And also it takes really time to bring uh, all the dots you know, connected. Right. And, and Etienne, I mean, really the same question from your perspective. Obviously, Power Hub as a business has grown hugely. So that take heart from that. Clearly, demand is increasing and the desire is there. Do you see things moving fast enough in terms of the bigger picture or do we need to really kind of get our skates on? I think we need to separate this question probably into two parts. One is, do we have the digital tools to enable really, really fast growth and enact change on a global scale? And I think mm. we're, we're getting there. And I think that's great news for us and it's great news for, for the world, to be honest. However, there's a flip side to that is you can want to run as fast or skate as fast, Mark. I appreciate that as a Canadian. But, but you also have other hurdles in the way. You have policy. 
as an example, uh, decision-making on governmental levels, hurdles that they put in the way that basically slow down business model as well as technical innovation. I'm sure there's tons of ideas and ways where we can really build the virtual power plant of the future or the virtual grid of the future that is perfectly interconnected, where systems talk to one another, that there's uh, automated demand-side management on behalf of customers. And I think that on a theoretical level, a lot of the building blocks are there, uh, but there's also limits from, uh, especially system operators say, wait, wait a second, we're, we're not familiar with that. You can only transmit that much renewables at any given time or on this specific uh, way and so on. So I think we need to look at it both sides. I think there's technology and data, which is great and it's progressing, although never fast enough, but I'm kind of biased in that, <laughs> in that view <laughs> as Virgil is. But we also need to focus on the other side of the equation is the policy side, the uh, interconnection side and dealing with system operators and business model enablement as well that needs to come in hand in hand. And I think, that's where we're going to have really speedy impact. And I do believe that we can do marvelous things over the next 10 years. Right. And, and that's a really interesting point of often in the world you know, of digitalization, wherever we look at technology is kind of one or two steps, steps ahead of, of, of where the market is or you know, where we want to get it. And you're know, similarly on policy, again, as we look at different aspects of the renewable transition, you know, it, it's policy not, not just keeping up, but being an enabler to allow more things to happen at a greater pace. Do you see policy as being a kind of, um, or what do you see as being, I guess, the biggest blocker to the pace of change that you think needs to be um, happening? The amazing thing right now is that renewable energy is cost competitive in a wide area of the planet right now. In 2020, this is amazing in itself. So actually what politicians and policy need is to step out of the discussion rather than more step in. So give, give the same unfettered access to renewables that other generation sources have had for, for decades. Ultimately, we, we, we don't need special treatment. We need the same treatment. We just need better access to the grid and, and so on, and basically the same terms of engagement as, as other generation sources. And that's what's going to really drive change. Is actually not policy support, but it's basically a level playing field for all generation sources. Right. And Virgil, same question from, from your perspective. Just to add to what uh, Etienne was well saying, so, and again, having this uh, digital approach to the issue, I think the standardization, especially standardization in terms of uh, connectivity, the way how data is presented from, from all these plans to the to different systems, that's something which, uh, of course, brings also a lot of roadblockers into uh, this acceleration of uh, digitalization and bringing us closer to where we want to be from from climate perspective. And I think, of course, there are steps uh, which uh, are done towards that. And so BAIVA is part of uh, different committees and we are actively contributing to this. But then uh, the step from even having some standards up to how those standards are implemented, I think that's where the gap is currently. And if we look to the other industries, and as Etienne said, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We just need to look to other industries, which, uh, let's say, were in this situation maybe 20, 30 years ago. 
uh, we saw that, of course, there was, there were standardization bodies with, with policies in place, which bring all the active players into the same room, so to say, and they agree on an end-to-end standards, and then everyone uh, would just follow them, because that's, that's how we can move together towards the climate goals that, that we have. And what kind of standards are we talking about, Virgil, specifically? And we're talking about standardization. Standardization in what aspect? First of all, is standardization in how data is presented from the plant uh, to the other system. So that connectivity that uh, we were talking about in data aggregation, as also Etienne was referring to, that's it's completely in a non-standard format as of today. And basically, there are a bunch of players out there which get the data from the plants and they are presenting into a very own format uh, and that brings also challenges in in mediating the data and you know uh, normalizing it and sometimes it's even almost impossible to to do it because they are so different in terms of resolution in terms of data points exposed and i think once we can sort this out, then uh, it's already a big step towards uh, the second part, which is to uh, make sure that all that interconnectivity is starting to, to play a role. Thanks, Virgil. I mean, that's super exciting. Lots happening, lots around the corner. Um, and as you know, as we've been talking about, a more kind of connected energy renewable world brings a lot of benefits and helping to a bigger picture propel the transition forward at the pace that's needed. Um, some of the risks around increased connectivity and digitalization, specifically on the on the cybersecurity topic, which is a big topic for any sector where digitalization is prevalent. You know, how is the um, renewable industry in that respect and around the cybersecurity management issue? Virgil, do you want to kick off that one? Indeed, more connectivity and more exposure to the internet means also uh, more risk. Yeah, hackers uh, getting access to to these uh, assets and uh, you know even having uh, disturbing into into the network. And of course, the particular issue here is the sometimes the old uh, software, you know, and the hard coded passwords which are into um, some old uh, assets. And uh, that's why also standardization is important because it's not just about the communication protocols, uh, but also all the mechanisms around all these communication protocols and uh, standards uh, regarding the hardware from from security point of view, which uh, needs to be uh, follow up if such standards will be. And of course, uh, to minimize any access to to the internet, hiding all the, the projects, for example, IP addresses, and of course, uh, we are using the, the tools which are available also from uh, from the IT world. Uh, you know, we use uh, VPNs, virtual private networks, or we we are encrypting the data. But that's that's uh, let's say efforts which are done uh, by a couple of players, but uh, definitely has to be done again by everyone in in same uh, systematic way. So again, it sounds like the solutions are there. It's in part kind of education around being alert to the need for this and then um, standardization to help support it. Correct. And uh, then enforcement of uh, of that that standardization. Okay, we're nearly out of time there. Just a, a few other topics to touch on. We talked about the Internet of Things and we talked a little bit earlier on about kind of machine learning. Um, and I guess we're getting into there around the topic of kind of um, more into kind of AI, which is again another big topic and one we will return to in the subsequent podcast. But Virgil, in terms of you know kind of where we are on that potential applications, how are you seeing AI in the renewable energy 
world at the moment and where it is and where it could go to. AI, it's it's more and more used in, in areas like uh, forecasting energy demand and uh, also making energy uh, saving decisions. Why, why is it important, for example, to have a forecast for electricity demand? It's because uh, generation and weather then plays an important variable. And then using uh, AI and, uh, and machine learning algorithms basically bridge all these variables, which are changing very frequently. They're bringing that together and uh, based on the past behaviors and smart uh, algorithms, then the AI can uh, give insights and uh, let's say educated uh, maybe decisions that uh, then the human being can, can take. And Etienne, is that something you see in terms of you know the, the evolution of power hubs software, that kind of um, AI element becoming more and more significant, or is that just long way down the road yet? No, it, it's immediate on certain aspects. We're focusing right now on we, we talk about the challenges in data processing and normalization. Uh, so that's what where we're focusing our efforts on that. Uh, but also for, from a user perspective, sometimes it's about simplifying their lives and making things a bit easier. So we're using AI actually right now to, to read through contracts. It sounds <laughs> uh, simple in itself, but just knowing what you're on the hook for and knowing what your obligations and what dates and so on and so forth that you have to manage towards uh, can, can simplify and just about, it's about pulling data out once again, right? And putting it in one place. And so we have a few different fronts where we're using uh, uh, that type of technology right now. Right. It's hugely exciting. Internet of things, AI, data management. I think we could, you know, we, we could talk for, for hours on any one of those topics. And we've covered a lot of ground. Just one final question to you both in terms of kind of what you are most excited about in terms of what's around the corner, what's next. Etienne, what, what is it for you of all the different things we've talked about that's thing that you really excited about where we are, um, what's around the corner. I think what really excites me is, funny enough, uh, business model innovation, because companies are harnessing these different technology, virtual power plants, different ways to connect things together to generate value. Uh, and that's really the, the exciting thing is because when we have commercial viability of renewable energy uh, sources in more creative and prevalent ways, we're really pushing forward the adoption of those technologies and ultimately we're, we're pushing ourselves closer to, to meet our climate goals. And Virgil, same question to you. For me, this, let's say, end-to-end -end view, which now is possible to be built up based on digital tools, meaning from production to uh, consumption of the energy, and uh, we didn't have time uh, to talk about, uh, yeah, lots of uh, other areas where, let's say, renewable energy is playing an important role, like e-mobility. And I think uh, all these uh, elements which should uh, help us to achieve our climate goals and, uh, you know, hopefully have a better planet uh, where we can, uh, we can live all. The part of uh, using digital technologies to bring all these different business models together. That's something which really excites me and uh, it's a lot of potential there. And I think really that different players uh, from these all different, let's say, elements of the, um, let's say, energy transition uh, working together, uh, something which maybe a couple of years ago was uh, imagined. That's something which also excites me. Fantastic. Virgil Etienne, thank you very much for joining me today. For sure will not be the last time we talk about um, digitalization in one of these podcasts. It's been super interesting. Thanks a lot for your time. My pleasure, thank Mark. You. Thank you so much for having me. 
Well, I'm afraid that's all we have time for. A big thanks again to Virgil and Etienne for joining us today. If you're interested in listening to more episodes in our podcast series or exploring more content on this topic, just visit our website at rethink-energy.com. Thanks to everyone for listening and talk to you again soon.